Hi, I'm uh, Gavin Giovanoni. I'm a neurologist uh, based in the East End of London, and I'm doing this MS Selfie podcast uh, around the issue of sleep. Um, this time of year, which is the uh, mid-November, um, brings back memories because on the 7th of November 2020, I had a severe accident. I was out running on a Saturday morning when a speeding motorcycle went through a red traffic light and uh, hit me uh, and I sustained a head injury, fractured cervical spine and a shattered pelvis as well as lots of other soft tissue injuries and I was admitted to uh, King's College Hospital and had to undergo um, fixation of my pelvis and I had to have my cervical spine pinned at uh, two levels and I was in hospital for two weeks, um, during which time I uh, learned a lot about the NHS and about having a very disabling condition. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the recovery I've made. I've got a few residual problems, uh, which may have kept my quality of life by about percent, by 20 percentage points, but that's nothing compared to the counter-narrative of uh, having been killed in that accident and not being yet to discuss uh, this MS Selfie podcast with you. So I'm generally generally grateful for being alive. Um, uh, what is interesting is people still ask me three years after the event about the accident uh, and uh, how I'm doing. Uh, I must be honest with you, the memory of it is receding in, into the background, which is good. Uh, my post-traumatic flashbacks, which are typically triggered by hearing a speeding motorcycle, are now quite rare. But what haunts me the most was the chronic insomnia I experienced uh, during the acute phase of the accident, of the accident, mainly due to pain and discomfort at not being able to roll over in bed at night. Um, and this lasted about six months. Uh, and still I have problems uh, rolling over in bed because of my cervical arthritis that I've been left with and pain in my right hip from the accident. Uh, and uh, and it's uncomfortable. I've got a special pillow now to try and help me with uh, support my neck when I roll over. But during the uh, after the accidents, I couldn't really roll over in bed for six months, um, and I had to wear a neck brace, and my pelvis was incredibly painful. And as a result of lying on my back, I I, I used to perspire, and, and I used to have the incredibly uncomfortable sensation on my back. Uh, I even developed a heat rash for the first few weeks, which was incredibly itchy, and I had this deep burning sensation. In retrospect, I suspect the burning sensation was possibly a side effect of the morphine uh, that I was on to control the pain. Um, in addition to that, I also had this incredible, what I would call radicular or neurogenic or neuralgic pain. It would radiate from my neck down into my arm because I had uh, uh, damage to uh, one of the nerve roots coming out of my cervical spine uh, into my hand. That hasn't, fortunately, the pain has recovered, but I still have weakness in the hand, and it's resulted in my hand becoming clawed. Um, and now I have uh, a great appreciation for um, people with neurological conditions um, who are disabled and have difficulty rolling over in bed at night. It is incredibly uncomfortable. And when I used to see patients, and I still see the occasional patients with Parkinson's disease, one of the questions I would always ask him is whether or not they can roll over in bed at night. And that's kind of a question we used to ask in the Parkinson's clinic as an indication of whether or not their motor symptoms are adequately managed at night. 
a lot of people with Parkinson's disease may be off. In other words, they are very rigid and they can't roll over in bed at night and they then uh, find the, 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 the evenings, uh, the nights, very, very, very un uncomfortable. So I, uh, but since my accidents, I begin to ask all my patients with advanced MS the same question. You know, once, you know, once you've experienced the torture of being unable to roll over or being immobile in bed, you know, you feel for your patients. So I always ask him about this. And I suppose, I mean, this is an example of the lived experience um, uh, impacting on the way I practice neurology or medicine. Anyway, there are things you can do. So if you're listening to this podcast or you're reading it on on the newsletter and you're having difficulty rolling over in bed at night and you have the same problem I had, um, there are things you can do. First of all, um, you can do stretching and range of motion exercises during the day to improve your flexibility. So it allows you to roll over. And if you can't do that yourself, you may have to see a physiotherapist and get physical therapy. And they may need to teach you um, uh, techniques and an exercise and give you an exercise program to uh, teach you how to do this at night um, if you can't do it yourself. Um, you may need medication. So please, if you haven't been assessed, um, get your neurologist or your physiotherapist to assess you. And if necessary, you may need uh, medications for muscle spasticity to control your spasms or your pain at night. So that's how you can roll over. There are a lot of supportive devices. So you can have bed rails, grab bars, monkey ropes. Uh, you can get specially designed pillows. Um, they can help you position yourself, make it easy for you to roll over in bed at night. Um, low friction bed linen and pajamas are really helpful. Just buying satin or low friction linen um, for your bed can make the difference uh, in being able to roll over or not roll over in bed at night. And there are, you know, there's a whole lot of these online, uh, and I, and it's horses for courses in the sense. I'm not going to tell you which one to buy. You need to probably uh, uh, trial them yourself and find the best one that works for you. And if all else fails, you can get these high-tech specialized beds um, that are able to tilt not only up and down but sideways. And, they, and uh, they have automatic control that you can use to help uh, uh, roll over at night. These beds are quite pricey. Um, and my experience is when you want them for people with multiple sclerosis, the NHS often lets you down. But anyway, you can look into these. And uh, if you, depending on how disabled you are, you may be able to get them uh, paid for by the NHS. And then the other thing is obvious, maintaining a comfortable sleep environment is important. So, you know, you know, not only the mattress and pillows, but also the lighting uh, and the ambience uh, in the bedroom is really important. And this brings me to the next section of this uh, podcast is that I previously commented uh, on a short commentary in the, British, the BMJ, the British Medical Journal, from a few years ago, on how you as an individual can write your own well-being prescription. And the best, well, the top, top piece of advice was to improve your sleep. Uh, we now know that sleep is probably the most essential performance enhancing agent we know. And, and we know that poor sleep is the element in the room when it comes to managing uh, people with multiple sclerosis. You know, most studies on sleeping MS have shown that over 70% of people with multiple sclerosis have a sleep disorder. And when, when we did a survey a few years back on our blog readers, we, we found a very similar result. Only 12% of our respondents reported uh, not having a problem with sleep. So the vast majority of people with multiple sclerosis have a, have a sleep disorder. And so you need to analyze your own problems and see if anything can be done about them.
And, and it's obvious, you know, when you wake up in the morning or you get up in the morning and you haven't had a good night's sleep, you know about it. Uh, you know, you feel terrible. Uh, and the corollary is if you had a good night's sleep, you often wake up feeling energized, your mood's better, and you're prepared to take on the world. You know, the, uh, the, the, the nights where you toss and turn or not been able to turn and you have limb jerks, uh, restless leg syndromes, you're having to get up to the toilet to pass urine several times a night, or you have a hangover from drinking too much the night before, you know, these leave you incredibly tired, fatigued, your cock fog gets worse, and the day is challenging, you know, and this uh, impacts on your mood. You know, a lot of people are very irritable. So it's essential that if you want to manage your MS properly, particularly if you suffer from daytime fatigue, is you have to get on top of the sleep. And I've just put an example here of a, of a study um, in people with multiple sclerosis with restless leg syndrome, just showing you how uh, many more uh, how this predisposes to cognitive problems so if you are got cognitive issues and you're not sleeping at night uh, you can't really address your cognition problems okay until you've sorted out your sleep and the same goes for fatigue you know you can't sort out daytime fatigue if you're not sleeping properly you have to for you know top of the pile you have to get sleep sorted out so the following are 10 points that i put up there for you to improve your sleep hygiene. So you have to ensure you spend an appropriate amount of time in bed trying to sleep or sleeping. You know, the current recommendation is most people need six hours or more uh, to get to be refreshed. Um, one of the problems we find is a lot of people then get into a vicious cycle where they spend too much time in the day sleeping. And so then they don't need to sleep at night and they get frustrated. So please try and limit your daytime naps to about 30 minutes. Um, and don't uh, compensate for a poor sleep at night by sleeping in the day. Rather, try and keep yourself awake during the day so you get a good night's sleep. Um, obviously, avoid stimulants like caffeine, modafinil, nicotine, whatever, close to bedtime. You know, I try to tell people to take their last bit of stimulants no later than about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. So you can give them time to wear off. The half-life of caffeine, for example, is about six hours. So you've got to... You know, you've got to put about two half hours, half, half lives in before you go to bed to get your caffeine levels down. Try and drink alcohol in moderation. You know, alcohol is very good at getting people off to sleep, but it then disrupts the sleep uh, um, cycle. And you often wake up and have difficulty getting back to sleep. Uh, and it disrupts the physiology of sleep. So people don't get deep sleep or refreshing sleep when they drink too much. So please, if you are drinking too much alcohol, try and cut down. Exercise helps improve sleep quality. This is a little, as little as 10 minutes a day has been shown to improve sleep quality. So if you can get into a daily routine of exercising, it will help. Try not to have big meals before going to bed. You know, obviously heavy food, fizzy drinks can trigger indigestion. You know, can get refluxes, reflux and that affects your ability to sleep. Ensure you get adequate exposure to natural light during the day. Um, you know, uh, expo light, exposure to sunlight during the day uh, and then having darkness at night helps maintain a regular sleep-wake cycle. If you're not getting enough sunlight, you may want to buy yourself one of those uh, lamps uh, that, that are often uh, recommended during winter months to prevent people getting seasonal affective disorder or SAD. Um, they, they provide the right stimulus to the retina to, to fool your brain that you're getting natural light. They establish a... Um, a uh, regular relaxing bedtime routine. <clears throat> you know, this may be taking a shower, bath, or reading. 
uh, and avoid watching uh, emotionally upsetting or stimulating content uh, in the hour or two before going to sleep. And then make sure your sleep environment is pleasant. You know, you have to have a comfortable mattresses and pillows. Make sure your bedroom is relatively cool, not too warm or too cold. They, they talk about a temperature between 16 and 20 degrees centigrade being ideal for, for, for sleep. Try to avoid bright lamps, smartphone use or television screens. Um, that, that can make it difficult to fall asleep. But if you are going to use your devices, they come now with a, a special nighttime mode, which gets rid of the blue light that stimulates the retina. Uh, telling you that you're awake. Um, and also consider using blackout curtains um, or eye shades or earplugs or white noise machines if you suffer from tinnitus, anything that can improve the environment um, to make it more relaxing helps. And some people say you shouldn't use your sleep environment, your bedroom, for example, for other activities like uh, work, for example. You know, by partitioning out your environment into this is this space is for sleep and this is for work that makes it makes a difference and then obviously just to reiterate if you've got anything that's obvious affecting your sleep be it uh, nocturia from bladder dysfunction pain or restless legs or muscle spasticity or spasms or you've got sleep apnea these things probably need to be uh, diagnosed and sorted out by a healthcare professional so if you have anything that you think needs uh, medical input please speak to your neurologist or your neurology team so you can get that sorted out um, and then give me back some feedback you know um, you know some people out there would have other advice for people there may so if you've worked on something that you think helped you sort out a sleep problem you know you know uh, be it hacking your own physiology or you've got some alternative practices let us know uh, the whole purpose of MSLF is to share experiences and to self-help or to help other people with the disease um, um, I've also put up three previous MSLF newsletters uh, that are I think related to this theme one is about sleep deprivation one's about restless leg syndrome and other one's about workup and management of fatigue uh, I would urge you, if you haven't read these, to go and read these, or maybe if you have read them and forgotten about them, go back and uh, and, and, and reread them. And there's lots of advice in those three for the self-management uh, of this particular problem. And then leave a comment. If you have a, a question, uh, ask, ask in the comment section, and I will get back to you in due course. Enjoy, and if you find this helpful and you know somebody else who may benefit from it, please forward them the uh, email or send them the recommendation. And then, then uh, if you are a um, uh, pain subscriber, thank you. If you're not a pain subscriber, please consider um, becoming one if you can afford it. Uh, we, I'm using the resources, as you know, to transfer this information from MSLFI to the MSLFI microsite, uh, which is the curated site for people with MS, like a you know a living textbook on, on, the, on self-management. Yeah, enjoy.